I'm Chris. If you don't know me, welcome. This is our third week of our Tuesday night comebacks, and so I'm glad that y'all are here. If you're new, I want you to know that we're going through a new series called The You Effect. And so essentially what we're going through is talking about influence. Talking about how every single one of you in this room tonight has more influence than you realize. I don't know if you've thought of yourself as an influencer before or not, but the truth is that you are. People are watching, your siblings are watching, your family's watching, your neighbors and your friends at school and people that you aren't even friends with at school are watching you. You're watching, they're watching the way you live your life, they're watching the decisions you make, the words you say, they're watching everything you do. You have influence. And so that's what we've been breaking out. And so as we get going this evening, I want to ask you a question. What are you doing with your influence? Knowing that every single one of us has influence, what is it that you're doing with your influence? Because what I've realized and what I've learned in my own life is that there's really only two decisions, there are only two things that you can do with your influence. You can lead people well or you can lead people poorly. And so just knowing that, I want, you to, ask another, I want to ask another question of you. Knowing that you have influence, have you ever had influence and known that you've had influence over people, but you've done something to, make, to, lose, that in, to lose that influence? Have you done something? Have you said something? Have you made a poor decision that has lost your influence amongst the people that you've been around? I'll tell you a quick story because I definitely have. I was a senior in college, and most of you guys know that I love school, always have, and always will. School's been a big part of my life. And I was involved in a number of organizations. I was in honor societies and academic clubs and organizations and had a lot of influence in a lot of different areas and over a lot of different people. But I'll tell you, my senior year, I lost a lot of that and ended up getting a lot of trouble for lying about a, on a paper. Because I had a paper in a, in a creative literature class that I wasn't comfortable with whatsoever. I was, I was supposed to write about something that we had been reading, and I knew that I couldn't do it. And so I went to my professor and asked her, I was like, hey, I'm really uncomfortable with talking about what we've read in class, and especially talking about how that relates to my life. And she goes, well, if you want to graduate, you need to take this class, and if not, you can get out. That's what she said. And so, I don't know, can you still hear me? Yeah. Okay. Um, okay, it's still on. But, all right, cool. I'll just speak loud. So, anyway, there we go. All right. <laughs> Let me get this. All right. So anyway, she told me I can either get through it and do the paper or I should drop a class. And I knew that I needed to graduate. And so what I did is that I lied all over this paper. I created a story about myself that resonated with what I needed to write about for the sake of this grade. And I passed the class a couple of weeks into the next semester. I got an email from this professor and a couple of others that were attached. And they said, Chris, will you join us for, or will you meet us in office hours? I'm like, oh, no. And so like, my heart sunk a little bit, and I, I went to go meet them in his office hours, and I see my paper on the table, and they asked me about Christmas break, and it's like, how are you, and I'll just have a small talk, and they're like, Chris, we want to talk about your paper. I'm like, geez. And so they say, this is the best paper we've ever read. No, honest to God, like, they, they said that, like, we, and they, they wanted me to publish it. And I'm in a tough situation, because I lied all the way through this entire paper. I knew that there was a ton of different things that I knew if I had gone through and published this thing, then I would be at risk and I would be in trouble more than I could have imagined. And so as I'm telling them no, they're also wanting to submit it to a, a creative writing competition. I'm like, absolutely not. Absolutely not. And they're like, no, 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 Chris, like, this is really good. Like, it could help so many people. Your story is powerful. It's moving. And literally, it's like some Nicholas Sparks made up junk is what I did. I made it so, I, I rom-com this sucker so bad about my own life that they wanted to put something real to it. I'm like, no. So as the, the academic dean was a part of this conversation, and he, he started filtering through this paper and started asking me questions about certain facts that I had said that were true about my own life. 
And I haven't read this paper in a couple of months. Like, I wrote this back in October and haven't looked at it since. So he's asking, oh, when did your brother die? Oh, when were you in this car accident? Oh, when did you do this? And when did you do that? I'm like, oh, I don't know. And so like, I knew that I was being caught in this lie. And so at the end of it, the academic dean just says, Chris, knowing that I had been lying, he goes, is any of this true? And that's when I was honest with all three of them in the room and said, no. And so like, I immediately tried to defend myself. I tried to talk about why I lied and all these different things. And because of this lie, I still pass the class and everything because it's all in the past, but they made me make a public statement to the entire university. I went to a university of 20 plus thousand students. And amongst all the honor societies and the clubs that I was in, I made to drop all of those and make a public statement saying that I lacked academic integrity, basically telling everyone that I lied. And so I had to, leave, I had to drop out of all these different societies that I was in. And it was the most humiliating thing I think I've gone through in my entire life in regards to my academic career. But I tell you that story because I promise you, even in your own influence, you have done something stupid or done something wrong along the way that has made you lose the influence that you have in, your, in certain scenarios, in your certain groups of people that you have around you. And that's exactly what we're going to talk about tonight is because, thankfully for all of us, we know none of us are perfect. We've all messed up. We've all like screwed up in one big way or another. That we're going to look at, like, our stories doesn't stop there. Our story doesn't stop there because God has written something so much more for us if we allow him to take us there. And so if you have your Bibles, I want you to go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 7. We're going to be hanging out in Luke 7, but to give you some context for where we're going, I want you to know this chapter is full of Jesus stories. Jesus is literally, he's healed someone who is deathly sick. He's healed someone from who is dead. He raised this kid to life. There's a man who is lacking faith, who has been like right by Jesus' side throughout his entire ministry. And he started doubting that whether or not Jesus was who he says he was. And Jesus restored his faith. And then we finally get to this section in Scripture, which is one of my favorite parts of, of this book of Luke, where there's three main characters. There's Jesus, there's a Pharisee, and there's this woman, okay? And so within these characters, I want to give you some context before we dive right into the text, is that what you need to know is these Pharisees, they're like the Navy SEALs of religion. I don't know if you know much about Navy SEALs, but Navy SEALs are the biggest, baddest, toughest people in the Navy, they go through some of the hardest trainings that you can possibly imagine to prepare themselves for battle and whatever their task may be, like they have gone through the, the hardest of hard things you can put together. And these Pharisees have literally done some similar kinds of work in the world of religion because they've studied from day one. They've been from an early child. They've been working their way through the Old Testament, studying and memorizing so much of this book. They knew it all. They had lived almost like the perfect life that they thought they could create for themselves. And they held themselves in this like prestige esteem, like where they're an elite group of people, right? And so like they were as like righteous as they were, as self-righteous as they thought they were. I mean, they looked at the rest of society and said, man, you are scum. Or like, hey, you're, you're, you're a low life. Like you don't know the law like I know the law. And so I'm better than you. And so that's kind of, kind of the person that we have in this story. And when Jesus is hanging out with them, but what you need to know is that these Pharisees don't like Jesus. These Pharisees don't really get along with Jesus because they, they see him as rivals, essentially. And so as these Pharisees, they also like, they try and question Jesus over and over and over again throughout his ministry, trying to trip him up. They don't, they don't like Jesus, but it's so, and so it's just interesting to see that Jesus is at dinner with, the, with this guy. And then we got this woman. And what we know in the text is that this is a woman full of sin. A woman full of sin, and doesn't always say what, but in certain texts, it will go into detail about what kind of woman this was. And so this is a woman who is a prostitute. She's a, she's a harlot, as some translations say. And so we have this harlot who is hanging out with Jesus and this Pharisee. 
And so this is what we're going to dive into in this text in Luke chapter 7. And so if you have your Bibles, we're going to start in verse 36, and it says this. One of the Pharisees asked him over for a meal, him being Jesus. And he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down at the dinner table. And just then, a woman of the village, a town harlot, having learned that Jesus was the guest of the home of the Pharisee, came in with a bottle of very expensive perfume and stood at his feet, weeping and raining tears on his feet. Letting down her hair, she dried his feet, kissed him, and anointed him with perfume. And when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man was a prophet I thought he was, he would have known what kind of woman this is who is falling all over him. So Jesus said to him, Simon, I have something to tell you. And he goes, oh, tell me. Well, two men were in debt to a banker. One owed 500 silver pieces, the other 50. Neither of them could pay up, and so the bankers canceled both debts. Which of the two would love him more? And so Simon said, I suppose the one who is forgiven the most. And Jesus says, that's right. Then turning to the woman, but speaking to Simon, Jesus says, do you see this woman? I come to your house. You provided no water for my feet, but she rained tears on my feet and dried them with her hair. You gave me no greeting, but from the time I arrived, she hasn't quit kissing my feet. You provided nothing for freshening up, but she has soothed my feet with perfume. Impressive, isn't it? And she was forgiven many, many sins. And, he, and, and, so this, the, and so she is very, very grateful. If the forgiveness is minimal, then the gratitude is minimal. And then he spoke to her and says, I forgive your sins. Okay, I want you to picture yourself in this scenario. Because it's one thing to read this text. It's another thing to imagine yourself as a prostitute. Okay? I know that's a weird thing to say, especially in church, but I want you guys to imagine yourself as a prostitute, okay? I want you to understand what's going on because in this day, a prostitute would not be someone who is liked by their, their community. They would be an outcast by society. They would be rejected by almost everyone unless they wanted to use her for something else, right? And so she's used but not loved by, by many. And so for her to come into the town, she knows what to expect, that people are going to talk bad about her. She knows that people are going to gossip about her. She knows that she can't go anywhere without people judging her because of what she's done and because of what she does. That, and if we were to imagine ourselves in her shoes, that's how we would feel. We would feel rejected by everybody. Then put it in this, like, in this perspective. If you're a prostitute, do you want to go hang out with religious people? Do you want to go to the church? Do you want to go hang out with the pastor? I don't think if I were a prostitute, I don't think I'd be going taking Pastor Heath to lunch on Sunday. Like, I would feel so ashamed of myself and carried in so deep in guilt that this is the last place that I would want to run sometimes. So this is what, the, what I would imagine is going through this woman's mind as she's going to see Jesus in this home. She goes, she knows what she's taken on, that she's going to have people saying a lot of things about her just by coming in and going to see Jesus. But as we talk about influence, this is what I want you to see, is that this woman, this woman is not the woman that you would imagine have influence in the story. Naturally, we think of Jesus and we think of the Pharisees of like big religious people to have most influence. But with this woman, this woman actually has the most amount of influence in the story because of this. Is that by coming to Jesus, she was unconcerned with what people may think of her. And this is what I want to ask you as, as well. As you live about your own life, as you go about doing your daily life, are you more concerned with what people think about you as you pursue Jesus or are you more concerned with pursuing Jesus regardless of what people will say? And think about that. Are you more concerned living your life for Jesus and not worried about what people will say, or is it the opposite? And just knowing this, knowing this woman, obviously, she knew her past. She knew what she had done, and yet that didn't stop her from going to see Jesus. 
So picture this. Like, I want, you know, I want you to kind of see this through like the film, like a scene of a movie. That's kind of how it helps me personalize it. Because what we find here is this woman. Well, first we got Jesus eating dinner with this Pharisee. They're hanging out. They're eating chips and hummus. And they're double dipping over and over and over again. And they're hanging out and they're chatting. And then randomly, this woman comes out of nowhere and cry, like gets to the feet of Jesus and is weeping, right? Like she is wailing. I don't know. Girls, you may understand this better than some of you guys, but guys, I don't put it past you. Like some girls, like sometimes, you know, like you just start crying and you can't stop, right? Like maybe you can understand that. But there are times where like the tears start flowing, the emotions start running, and you don't know why, you don't know what caused it, but it's been a rough day and you are just bawling. Like that's, that's real. And guys, you've been there too, but, or you've at least seen someone who's been there. But for this woman, this woman, seriously, this woman falls at Jesus' feet. And is, is weeping. And what we see here is that, that she's not only crying, but she is crying. Or it says rain, or it says uh, rain. She's falling like rain. Well, hold on, let me find it. Raining tears. That's exactly it. She is raining tears. And so this isn't just some like drop of water that's falling on Jesus' feet. Jesus' feet are soaked. Imagine that. And what you know at this day, too, is that feet are disgusting. And I know we look at Jesus and be like, well, it's Jesus. So Jesus is clean. He's got the cleanest feet of anybody who ever walked the earth. No, Jesus is just as much human as you and me. And so knowing that Jesus' feet are going to be nasty, dirty, stinky, like you, you picture it's got mud and dirt. He may have stepped in poop along the way just with what's in the ground. Like, who knows? And not only is she, like, crying all over him, but she's using her hair to clean his feet. Girls, can you imagine that? Using her hair to clean some nasty guy's feet? Even if it's Jesus, the feet are gross. And she is doing, and then she's kissing them. And then she's pouring perfume on them. And so everyone's watching this. I, pay, I imagine, like, understanding this character, this woman is, is such, like, so, she, her influence is so little. And yet she comes to Jesus, and she is humbly coming and just wiping her and cleaning and serving Jesus. She doesn't care what people say. She doesn't care what people think. And then we've got a different side. So that's the, that's the prostitute in this story. And then we've got the Pharisee, right? And we've got this Pharisee who sees this woman and is so disgusted with her and so disgusted that Jesus hasn't kicked her out of his house yet that he says this. He says, if this man, being Jesus, was the prophet I thought he was, he would have known what kind of woman this is who was falling all over him. I I think we've been there. I think we have been the Pharisee in this story where we look at certain people and we judge certain people and we say, man, I want to get them out of my life because they, are not, they have nothing good to offer me. Man, they're going to humiliate me. Man, they're going to, they're going to mess up my reputation. And so if, I, if people see that person with me, they're going to think less of me. And so this Pharisee, I imagine, is thinking, like seeing this woman with Jesus and saying, Jesus, if you were really God, you would give this woman the boot because she is a prostitute. She has, she's disgusting. She's gross. She has sinned. She has covered her life with so much stuff and so much junk that you need to get rid of her. Like, that's, the, that's what the Pharisees were about. They're about the law, the letter of the law, rather than the spirit of the law. And so as we look at this, what I love about the story is that Simon over here is thinking, like, questioning whether Jesus is God. And Jesus does a total God move and is reading his mind while he's, like, questioning his, his character and says, Simon, I got, I got something for you. I got something to tell you. He says, there are, two, there are two people, two debts. One debt, someone's in debt and, and owes nearly two years' worth of money. The other person owes about three months' worth of money. Neither of these people can repay their debt. It doesn't matter what they do. It doesn't matter what they can, like, try to present. Neither of them can repay. 
And so the, the banker or the lender generously forgives them both. And so naturally the question is, well, who would be more grateful? And so Simon, the Pharisee, says, well, clearly the person who would owe two, two years worth of money. And naturally so, like, if you were the prostitute in the story, like, you understand the gravity of your sin. You understand the mess that you are and the emotions and the shame and the guilt that you feel. Like, you are buried in that. And so to understand forgiveness is a huge thing. But for the Pharisee, he sees himself as like this other person in, in, the, in the line here or who owes something. It may be just a couple of months worth of money that he would owe, but he's like, but my life's better than this person's. And I don't need as much forgiveness as this person. But the reality of this story is that both people are in debt. Both people are equally as bad because Jesus is painting the picture saying, neither of you can pay it off. Neither of you are better than the other. But the Pharisee just doesn't get it. And so as we talk about influence, I want you to keep in mind that everyone in the town is seeing this woman. Everyone in the town is seeing what's happening because it's not only this woman entered into this Pharisee's house and is right there on the edge in the street and that, that he, they see her crying, but I want you to picture her like a crying baby. If you're in a restaurant and you, see a, or you hear a baby crying, it's loud, it's obnoxious, it kind of like distracts you from the conversations you have with your parents or your friends or, or your family or whoever you're with. So naturally you kind of stop what you're talking about and look and just seeing, making sure everything's okay. It's kind of what I'd imagine this woman, like as she's wailing and weeping, she's going to like, I'd imagine Jesus and the Pharisee to kind of stop their conversation. I'd imagine the servant who's bringing out the food to stop what he's doing to kind of see what's going on out there. I'd imagine the neighbors in the streets to be like, what is going on? And then not only do they see that a, that a woman is at the Pharisee's house, but when they see a prostitute at the Pharisee's house, they're like, what? And then when they see that a prostitute is at the Pharisee's house with Jesus, that's a big no-no. And so they're like, what is going on out here? And so they see not only the woman washing his feet and then putting, pouring perfume on Jesus' feet, but they hear what he says. The people would naturally hear the, what Jesus is saying to the Pharisee. And they see Jesus forgive this woman. And this is a powerful example that I want you guys to see because influence, this woman's influence is changing. This woman's influence is changing so much that we're still talking about her to this day. See, her decision to run to Jesus changed her life and changed the lives of others around her because they saw what forgiveness actually looks like. And I think the same is true for us. Because I don't know where you guys come from. I don't know where all the baggage that you guys carry or the junk in your trunks that you're trying to like cover up from your parents and your friends because you want your life to look better than it actually is. But the truth is, it doesn't matter. Because what we see in Scripture is that Jesus forgave this woman when she had slept with half the town. Right? It's not that Jesus looked at her and saw that she was a slut and she wasn't worthy of being forgiven. What Jesus saw was a woman of, of potential and purpose. And he says, you, I see you and your sins are forgiven. And so for where you guys are tonight, that's the story is the same for you. Jesus looks at you and looks at me and looks at our sin and says, hey, your sins are forgiven. But it's our choice whether or not that we accept that forgiveness. And when we accept that forgiveness, then lives are changed and we have an influence that comes from God alone that will change the perspectives of, and lives of other people around you. And so as you head to your groups in just a moment, I just want, to ask if, I want you to ask yourself this question. Who are you in this story? Do you resonate more with the prostitute? Falling at the feet of Jesus, desperately in need of forgiveness? Or do you see yourself more like the Pharisee? Who sees himself as better than everybody else, who's, who's not the, who doesn't meet anyone else's criteria because he is the top of the top, he is the best of the best. And I, don't, I know that none of us like to admit that we're the Pharisee because it's not nearly as glamorous. 
But the truth is that at school, I know what happens every day. I know you look at people and you judge people saying, hey, they're not as cool as me. Hey, they don't look like me. Hey, they don't dress like me. Hey, they're not as wealthy as me. And so they're not worth my time. Like that is the Pharisaical mindset. But the truth is both people are in debt, right? And they both need forgiveness. And so who are you in this story? And if you're a Christian, like for me, I would much rather be the, the prostitute saying, like, regardless of my past, man, God, I need you. And that's me, that's me today. God, I need you more than I did yesterday. God, forgive me for what I've done because I, need, I want you to change my life. It's not just if you're a non-believer. It is for everybody. Like, Jesus' forgiveness changes our influence for eternity. And so just know that we're going to close out in prayer, but that's a big answer, a question to answer. Who are you in this story? The, the facts of it is this, is that it's because of Jesus that we can change the effects that we have on others. Our influence is a big deal. Always will be. People are always watching. And the reality is that when people follow Jesus, everyone else notices. If you were to truly chase after Jesus, it's, it's inevitable that people will see a change in you. If you're truly running after Jesus, people will see. That's how, that's how we know this woman had influence. That's because see, people saw a change as she was no longer the prostitute, but she was a woman who was forgiven by Jesus. And so the question I wanted to ask of you is that as, are you running towards Jesus or are you running people away from Jesus with your influence? It's a big thing to be able to answer. God, thank you for tonight. Thank you for the joys that we have in being together. Thank you for the time that we get to spend in your word studying uh, what, what you have intended for us. And God, we, we thank you and praise you for your grace and your forgiveness. God, you have given us an opportunity to have an influence in, uh, in so many different ways, in so many different circles that, um, that I will never be able to impact as many of these kids will. And God, I just pray that you'll use their influence wisely, that they will point other, their peers and family members and friends towards you, God, that you will use their influence in a mighty way. Help them understand the significance of their influence. Um, God, you are, you are the perfect person who lived and came and died for us, and so we just pray that we can become more like you every single day as we chase after your heart. God, we love you, and to your name we pray. Amen.